seen God do some miraculous answers to prayer, that God has done miracles, whether on our behalf or in the family of God that we know. And so the good news is, is that prayer is incredibly powerful, but I guess I would also say the bad news is, is that prayer can sometimes be confusing as well. I think that we are glad for this opportunity to pray, but I think if we polled a lot of followers of Jesus, they would probably be honest enough to say, Pastor, I, a lot of us struggle in our prayer life. Like, we know it's one of the powerful disciplines that we have, but for some people, uh, maybe it's a, a, an understanding of, of how to pray or words to pray or why to pray or all those kind of things. And so on the big set, we recognize that it's a really powerful, amazing thing, and yet there are a lot of us that struggle not only how to do it, but sometimes the why that is behind it. I've got questions about prayer. So I'm glad that you came to church today, and if that's you, hopefully that we can look into some of those things in our life. Because I know within my life, I've seen God answer some really big prayers. God show up in some really, really big ways, and I'm sure you have as well. But I've also, to be honest this morning, know that there have been times when maybe we've prayed a similar way, a similar type of have the similar type of faith over a serpent, believing in the same God, and yet he didn't do what we thought that he should do or could do, and that brought some questions. Like, maybe a lot of times is that why didn't God answer maybe my prayer? Or why doesn't God seemingly answer all of my prayers? Or it happens maybe here, but sometimes it doesn't happen there. And so I want to give you a lot of examples from the Bible this morning to help in this powerful tool that every one of us as a follower of Jesus should learn and understand and how to utilize and use much more this wonderful gift of prayer that God has for us. If I look at a couple of examples in Bible, we have Joshua way back in the Old Testament. He was the protege of Moses where a lot of the Old Testament begins. And so the mantle gets passed to Joshua. And there was a lot of things going on. There was a battle that was happening. And Joshua prayed to God that, that he would pray that the sun would stand still, right? Now we know kind of today that the sun always stands still, Right? And kind of the prayer was God kind of stopped the earth that day from moving. But God answered Joshua's prayer from the Bible. That he prayed that the earth would stop and the earth stopped. How many would say powerful prayer, powerful? There's another prophet by the name of Elijah. And there were these wicked prophets, these false prophets of Baal who were doing a lot of bad things. And so God calls down fire from heaven on all of these evil, false prophets of Baal. And the Bible says that fire just blew down from heaven, that these prophets were wiped out. I mean, talk about kind of a legend. Elijah was that guy with these kind of powerful prayers. And yet I realized that I have pleaded with God in prayer on behalf of one of my closest friends to be healed from cancer. But instead of coming back home to his family, he went home to his heavenly home, and he left his family here behind. And I've wondered, what was different in Elijah's prayer for God to do a miracle, and yet many of us pray, 
And sometimes the answer doesn't come in the same way. Or maybe I've prayed for some close friends for their marriage because it was struggling and that they would turn the corner, but instead of their marriage getting better, that their marriage ended in a divorce. And when I see these big prayers in the Bible and I wonder, God, like, how is it that it seems like you listen in certain moments or certain times and I know and I've seen and I've watched you do the miraculous? How many remember Daniel, the story of Daniel in the Bible, right? So because of his prayer life, right, that the, that the big king had outlawed, that the, the penalty was is that you would get thrown into a den of lions. And so Daniel was in a lion's den when he was praying and God took starving lions and he put them on an overnight diet. And sometimes I pray to God to shut my mouth and help me on a diet and sometimes God doesn't help me with that either. Right? How is it that sometimes prayer is so good and yet sometimes prayer can be confusing? And then we read in John chapter 14, in verse 13 it said, Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Listen, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many have prayed that prayer, right? You're like, hey, and yet sometimes it happens and Sometimes it doesn't, and then we begin to wonder. You see, that's where maybe the questions of unanswered prayers start to resonate inside of us. And then I hear people, or people come to me and say, Pastor, did I do something wrong? Is God not listening? Is he mad at me? Does God not care about my situation? I read John 14, and it says that, that he'll do whatever, and yet seemingly nothing has happened. And so if you've had those kind of questions in your journey, you're going to be glad you came to church today. So let me take a moment today. Let's build an understanding of the nature of God in light of the purpose of prayer and, and the opportunity that God gives us through prayer. And there might be some things today that, that maybe you don't want to hear, but that's okay to be in church that way too, right? That we be challenged with the word. So, so maybe let me just start right out of the gate with one of those. So when it comes to prayer... I think one of the first pieces that we have to understand is that prayer revolves around the one who's in the center, and that's not you. It's not us. It's not me. So for us to really understand really the purpose and the power of prayer, we have to understand really at the center what, what is prayer, what is this connection all about. And more than anything else, we recognize that it's not about us, but it's about him. You see, we are not the main characters in the story. The biblical narrative focuses solely around God. You see, he does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve and to glorify him. Now, listen, this isn't yet, I mean, we're going to get to some other really good parts, right? That Because I know we're saying, yeah, but, but, but doesn't God like do some things for us? Isn't God there for us? We're going to get there, but but before we get there, I think that's kind of the diversion that a lot of people take, that, that primarily we have this idea that, that we're primarily the, the main object. And, and the fact is, is that, that for right now, we have to understand that we're not. And so really the power and the purpose of prayer is, is that we, we always have to have our, our focus 
about him being in the center, about him being in the center of our church, about him being in the center of our life, about him being in the center of our family, about recognizing no matter what else is going on, I first have to be grounded enough to say that God is the center of my existence. See, when we recognize that he doesn't exist for us or our agendas and that we exist for him, it helps us to understand now more fully the purpose and the meaning behind why we get to pray and and why we would pray. You see, maybe by understanding that what the purpose or what prayer is not helps us to maybe fully understand a little bit more about what prayer is. You see, God is not a puppet on our strings. He's not at our beck and call. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer, hear me, is to know him so that we can do his will. You see, there's going to be some good teaching, I hope, for, for all of us here today on something that is somewhat very common to us. I mean, I think we all hear prayer. We probably all prayed at some point. Maybe we were forced into it, right? Maybe from a family or just because of a need in our life and we didn't know what else to do, but so we just kind of threw some words out there. And, and, and I think we have this false narrative from John 14 a little bit or from some little wrong interpretation that, that God is simply up there like a, a grandfather or, you know, as some people have seen sometimes like a Santa Claus Jesus or a Santa Claus God where we think all year long, hey, I've been good. I've came to church. I, I've done this. I've done that. I've checked off all the boxes. I have a reading plan. Uh, like I've tried to follow. I, I went to a life group and so when it comes down to it, like, hey, God, Santa Claus, after all of I've done, that at the end, you're going to give me all the stuff now that, that I need or that I'm asking for. And, and that's, again, the false narrative we have to recognize. So by doing that, like if, in the circle, in the center, I think that's you and I stepping into that a little more. And that's kind of the life that a lot of people live. And without kind of sound teaching in church, I think that we just let people just naturally move in that line of of thought, and that's what gets a lot of people in trouble. And so what we have to do, and maybe some of you even today, is to kind of remove yourself, and maybe we, again, need to move God into a place truly where it is His to abide. We need to understand that God is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. That might be something like, if you have your phones out with you right now, you might want to take like a screenshot of that, right? Like you go to conferences and some guy like lights you up. You're like, oh, that's really good. I see phones all over the place, right? That's one of those moments. See, the whole purpose of our life is that, that we have to get away from a mentality that, that God is just always there to do what we want him to do. We realize that he is not a button to be pushed, but he is a relationship to be pursued, 
And, and for a lot of you maybe that didn't grow up in church and so you have this vision of, of, of a God that, you know, is maybe hidden or I don't even know the words to say. We, we can talk and that's, the, again, the, the beauty of life groups. We get to just really unpack this so much more. But the truth is, is that there is a, a relational and a personal sense of God that it's not based on formality or the words that we say, that it's just really a heart-to-heart connection with God. And we all get to do that differently. We're all formulated differently. And so God has the way of connecting your heart and his heart when we come to him this way that works exactly for you. So what we first have to understand is the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will, but for us to know him. And that way we are then conformed to his will and it enables us then to do his will. And so then when we ask, right, anything according to his will, right now our heart and his heart are so much more connected in allowing God's power to be able to be manifest into our life. You see, when we read John chapter 14, the first thing is, and again, here's kind of some teaching points for all of us today, is that it's very challenging for us to take some passages or verses out of context, right, and then we build whole theologies on them. Or we build our life on, a, on one verse that doesn't necessarily go along with exactly what that verse is really meaning. And so I, I read this as kind of a commentary to help us this morning. I thought it was just really, really good. And so, again, when we read John 14, verse 13 and 14, it's wrong for us not to consider the context. Like, what is really Jesus saying prior to, to him saying these words to us. And unfortunately, people just gravitate like, oh, so God's this like vending machine God that whatever I ask, whatever I want, like he's gonna do it. But we have to be faithful to the text and let the Bible interpret the Bible. Everybody say yes. Not me, but letting scripture interpret scripture. What is Jesus saying? And somebody wrote this commentary on this passage. He said they are especially tied to the comment Jesus made about his followers a little earlier, being able to do things even greater than Jesus was able to do while he was here on earth. And not in the sense of of, of anything godly within them, just about the opportunity that they were going to have. The, The time frame that they were going to have, much more than Jesus, now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and do great and miraculous things for the kingdom. The cornerstone of interpreting this verse is the qualifier that Jesus provides. That request must be made in my name. Now this implies someone who is acting according to the will and authority of someone else. You with me? Zone in here, track with me this morning. So there's kind of a cliche, right, of of police officers when they're chasing somebody to say stop in the name of the law, right? Right? Thought I'd throw that in for some of my police friends that are here with us today. The implication is is that they are speaking with the approval of greater power, right? Their, Their command, their voice, their badge, their uniform is not just representing them, but it's representing a much larger power. Everybody with me? Say yes, right? And so when we pray in the name of Jesus, this is not us manipulating or using that name for our benefit, that there is a power, right, that it represents that we have an opportunity or we are obligated to use correctly, right? 
So again, a police officer says, get me a donut in the name of the law. How many know I can't do that? Like, I would like to do that, but, but that's not something that the law demands, right? That would be inappropriate. And so in the same way, there are demands or cries that we make in the name of God or in the name of Jesus that do not represent the power based on the authority that God has given us to use. You still with me? Still tracking? The implication are that we are speaking with the approval of a greater power. So on the other hand, people would probably understand that we would merely use a phrase not guaranteeing the person to get whatever they want. They can only use that authority in that way to expect the results that come by acting accordingly to the will, whether of the law here for you and I, or the will of God in light of our spiritual capacity. So we have to understand that we aren't flippant with the in the name of Jesus. We have to realize, and, I'll, and we're going to go through four steps to help you, how do, I, how do I live in that lane for me to know that? So Jesus does not say, I will give you anything you ask for, nor does he say, as long as you include the magic words in Jesus' name, right? Like, is that somehow is the trigger then? Because I said those words, then God, you have to do that. Christ promises he will do anything that is asked in my name, but it implies that the person is, acting some, is asking something consistent with the will and nature of Christ. This, in turn, means such a request is consistent with the will and the nature of God himself. So when we pray in these ways, we realize that we have an opportunity to tap into the dynamite power of God. But if we aren't approaching God rightly, then there is no opportunity that God necessarily has to meet the needs or the prayers that we bring before him. And so as much as our prayers can be compassionate and loving and relationally, right, that, that helps move our life, we recognize they are not a toy for us just to use flippantly either. That, that they are selfish gain or somehow holding God hostage on the things that, that we do. That, so that not only if and that we use prayer, prayer is powerful, then we have to understand that we use prayer properly. Can somebody say amen? You get that? So let's look to the Bible and, and propose some things that involve our prayer life and maybe help us in answering the question at times where we felt, why didn't God answer my prayer? Now, stay with me through the end of each one of these, okay? Because there's probably going to be a chance maybe as we move through some of these that halfway through it's going to make you angry. So just hang on with me till the end. That way I can make you more angry at the end. Okay, no, no, no. We're going to help hopefully bring some clarity. So what would be some answers maybe to the question of why sometimes prayers aren't answered? Number one, maybe you have a broken relationship that needs hindering or that has been hindering your intimacy with God. Because prayer is a relationship, 
right? It's us getting to know God to be able then to know his will and to know him versus us, again, just thinking like it's, it's vending machine God and that, hey, if I do the right processes, then, then what I want, right, B4 is going to drop and, and that I'm going to get what I want. But when we look at prayer in a whole through Scripture, we recognize that the Bible teaches us that sometimes broken relationships can hinder the intimacy that happens in our relationship with God. You say, well, Pastor Jim, share some of those. So in Mark chapter 11, Jesus is sharing this with his disciples and giving them a lesson on faith. And what he says to his disciples, his followers, like, hey, if you simply had faith, look, you could do even crazy, amazing things. In fact, you could say to that mountain, get up from where you are and move into the sea. If you don't doubt in your heart, I'll do whatever you ask of me to do. And then in verse 24, he says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you'll receive it and it will be yours. Now, I know some of you are going like, wait a minute, that sounds a lot like John 14, Pastor Jim, like, like what's happening here, right? So let's keep reading to bring, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So your Father in heaven may forgive you. So Jesus is giving a context to his disciples. Listen, there are some big and crazy, audacious things that your faith and your trust in me can do. You can ask whatever it is, but there's also some limitation on that. You got to be in the right place. This relationship has to be in the right place to get me to move to do those big, crazy, audacious things. And Jesus gives them an example. How almost, how dare you ask for all of this stuff and yet you're, you're in bad relationship with your family, your wife, your pastor, your church, whatever. You see, it's great to pull out a few verses here and there, right? And to say, ah, Jesus is going to give me whatever I want. No, Jesus said, yeah, I would do that, but... How many say, thank God for verse 25? Come on, say, thank God for verse 25. That gives us what? context. And so it seems to be that Jesus is implying that our relationship with other people might matter in the prayer life that I have with him and the things that I seek for in prayer. If you got it, say, got it. Okay, that was about a third of you. So that's good. Some of you are struggling. This is awesome. It's right where I want you. So you say, well, Pastor, you're going to have to help me more with that. Okay, well, how about this? How many of you have kids? How many of you have ever been a kid? Okay, all right. So what happens maybe in your home? Your, your kids are going chaos, right? They're fighting, they're yelling, they're screaming. I mean, there's, it's a bloodbath. I mean, you know, I'll do this to you. Your kids are just like, get out. And, uh, uh, there's just like craziness that is going on in your home, right? I mean, just, and you're, you're just ready to pull your hat. And then they just kind of stop and they say, hey, mom, can, can Bobby come over and hang out for a sleepover? Right? Some of you are like, oh, Pastor Jim, like you are nailing that. Like that happened last night, right? Like that happened this week. Uh, can, can, can you take us to the movies, mom? Right? 
Uh, can, can you help us or, or, or can we go out? And, and the answer, right, of all of that chaos and all that struggle and all that calamity that's going on in your house and then there's a stop and then they ask for something. So at least all the moms, I mean, dad, moms probably get it more than dads, but all of the moms, like how many know this isn't scripted, but I hope that we're all going to get the right answer so you can shout it out. When your kids ask, can, can we go to the movies? Can you take us here? Can you get us in? Moms, the answer is what? Oh, thanks, Mom. That, that was, wow, weak, 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 weak. And the answer is what? No! Right? All this chaos, all this stuff, why? Why are we saying no? Because they're not acting the way they should be acting, right? I mean, that's your brother, that's your sister, that's family. You can't be doing all that stuff. You can't be harming one another and then just now give me what I want. Is anybody connecting the dots with me a little bit more right now? Right? So we're translating a little bit from down here to what our relationship should be up there. And so Jesus is giving his followers this idea. Listen, you, you got all kinds of stuff kind of messed up here, and you know you're doing it, right? Because when you ask your kids whose fault is it that got all of this ruckus started, who do they point to? Do they point to themselves? No, no. Right? And so when, so when it kind of comes up and, and why all of this stuff isn't happening, what are we drawn to do? We blame God. Got it? So we struggle because we're, we're misappropriating where the struggle is coming from. So maybe guys, this is for you, kind of, kind of tagged onto the moms for a little bit. So Maybe for the guys, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, just right from the Bible. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Why? Why is Peter saying that? What? Let's keep reading. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So could it be that sometimes our prayers go unanswered because of the chaos that we are responsible for in our life? And we have vanquished the relationship that should be primary between God and ourselves and to live righteously and holy and do well. Listen, I'm not saying that we are going to live perfectly every second of the day, but neither can we just hold on right to hurt and to anger and to pain within relationship and totally ignore that when that needs to get corrected and then somehow think that we can go to God and that he is obligated to give me whatever I ask for. You're pretty quiet, so I must be hitting on something today. And so it seems plausible to me from Scripture is that if we want God to be able to connect with us more through our prayers, that we need to be connected in the best possible way with the relationships that are most important to us. Number two, maybe we have wrong motives when it comes to prayer. Now, I'm not sure about you. You're probably way better at me. Maybe most of you are maybe more holy than me. But every once in a while, we've probably prayed some selfish prayers. I know none of you. I know none of you. Maybe, ladies, you prayed for that cute boy in high school or in college who was far from God to somehow get close to Jesus. 
And maybe your prayer wasn't so much evangelistic or missionary-minded as much as that there was some selfish motive inside of you, right? God, get his heart, that big, strapping, six-foot, hulking, wonderful man. Listen, that was part of Debbie's prayer early when we... <laughs> Listen, you were just getting too quiet. You were getting too quiet. I knew I, I, knew I could get you on that one. Listen, when we look at the Bible, the Pharisees did that kind of stuff all the time, right? We read about Jesus' interaction with those self-righteous Pharisees. They would come out with their flowing robes. The, the Bible would say they called them phylacteries. They would add on all of these like little boxes and, and ribbons and cords and whatever, and they would just prove to the people, this just makes us better than you, more holy than you, and, and that they would come out with these long flowing prayers and these big words and that they could pray better than anyone else. And it was not because they really loved God, that kind of shows itself out with Jesus' interaction with them, but it was because they loved the applause of people who said, wow, you're so spiritual for, for praying that way. Or, or all of the outside that we see must be indicative of what is happening internally. And how many of us have lived long enough to know that sometimes those two are not necessarily equal? And so sometimes our motives come into play let me just kind of get, like, right at you this morning. How about business people who say, I want God to bless my business, but they're not willing to tithe on their business? Oh, but that's separate, Pastor Jim. That's, I mean, I mean, we, I mean that's, that's, a, that's a profit and loss thing. That's, oh, there's, you wouldn't understand. I mean, there, there's corporate things. There's tax situations. There's all kind of stuff. Yeah, we want God to bless us. But yet, an opportunity for us to give back of his blessings. Boy, we have all kinds of excuses and all kinds of flow charts and points about how it's just not going to fit in the tax code. Hello? You're getting quiet on me again. Some of you pray for blessings. God, help me. God, do this. God, do that. And yet, when there's an opportunity for you to bless or be generous to go out and get a bag to help homeless kids that have nothing, a lot of you will just walk by that table. You see, we want it for us. So, so sometimes our prayers, God challenges us because he wants to know really, who are we in it for? What's driving my motive? And the fact is that in a human sense, it's really hard to ultimately know somebody's motive. We sometimes get it, but sometimes we get it wrong, too. But unfortunately, God never gets it wrong. Number three, maybe when we prayed, we didn't believe that God could actually do it. Maybe there's been a real struggle with our faith. And listen, that's okay. Jesus had a lot of those conversations with his disciples. In Mark chapter 9, there was a story about a dad that 
that came to the disciples, first of all, because his son was, was filled with this demonic presence. And the Bible was pretty descriptive that this spirit would take over and just kind of thrash this boy around. He would foam at the mouth, you know, fall into the fire, do, do all of these crazy things. And so this dad, again, imagine, in desperation, finds these guys and say, hey, you've been with Jesus. Like, you're representing, like, this spiritual kingdom. Is there anything that you can do to help drive out this evil spirit? And so we recognize that the disciples couldn't. And when Jesus came to them, it says, because where is your faith? Like, you've been with me all this time. You've heard. And, and so Jesus chastises the, the disciples a little bit about why they couldn't drive out this evil spirit. And so then the dad goes to Jesus. And I love the honesty of kind of this, this big faith of this father. So then he comes to Jesus, right? And he looks at Jesus and says, listen, Jesus, if you can do anything. If by chance that, that you could have mercy or, or that you could step into this situation and have pity and help us. And I can see Jesus for just, are you kidding me? Do you see what I've been doing all over Judea? Have you heard about blinded eyes that were open, about dead that were raised, about lame people picking up their bed and running? What do you mean if I can do this, Right? And the father backs down a little bit. You've probably heard this story. He backs down a little bit. He goes, Father, listen, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Come on, there should be hands all over the place to say, man, I've been that dad. Hello? I mean, we faced moments like where like we, we hit the wall and big things happen. And listen, we've gone to it with some faith and we've gone with it with some encouragement. It, it seems like it's a big mountain and, and yet there's kind of this if. We go to God with this if kind of thing. And, and, and we cry out, God, like we know it and we do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Listen, I, I get that. I'm there with you today. We've all had those moments. Listen, I've seen God do miraculous things. I've seen him heal miraculously people that have ailments and struggles in their life. I mean, we have Martha and Cara, uh, and, and, and Adriel, the Carabala with their family. A few years ago, uh, again, uh, their, their little one was, was diagnosed with, with kidney cancer, and, and there was, seemed to be a, a relapse, and, and building up that whole day, all the doctors were kind of, everything was directed, like it's bad. Like there's all kinds of treatment. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go into it again, and, and all of this desperation of no. How can we let our little one go through all of this trauma and this impact again? And Martha got up early that next morning and went down to get coffee and just ran into a doctor, which we've joked that that I don't think still we've ever seen again, right? And and, and he said, "Are you Mrs. Caraballo?" She said, "Yes." And he said, "You know, I don't know what you heard last night. I don't know what the doctors told you last night. I don't know." what they were looking at last night, but I saw all of those pictures, and I'm here to tell you, there's nothing wrong with your son. There's nothing that came back, and when they went back to the doctors, and they looked at the slides, he was healed. Whatever was there was not there, right? There are moments that drive us in faith, and yet, again, as a parent or a situation, God, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. You see, our faith really matters. That's what I want you to hear today. In the power of prayer, it's not a flippant that we pray, but we realize it is a tool, it is a weapon 
It is a powerful weapon, and, and how we approach it is that we are people of faith, and we have people that believe. And I want to make some things really, really, really clear with you on this point. There's going to be two of them. First of all, your faith matters to God. How many know that faith is more than momentary? We all want quick fixes, don't we? No matter what it is, like we don't want to be in pain, we don't want to be in suffering, and I get that. But sometimes we want our faith, right, just to have the, the most minimalist amount of faith. Like, okay, I'm in it, get me out of it. But sometimes our faith needs to be tested. That's truly what faith is. Like, it's easy to believe when there's no pressure, right? It's easy to believe when there's no resistance. But the moment there is resistance, now what? Now what's a pull on our faith? Do I really believe? So my, I want you to know that our faith, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to relationship with God, our faith really, really matters. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without what? Faith. That we are made right with God by our faith. That it faith in God that sometimes we can't always see, we might not always feel, feel, but it is our faith that honors and motivates God's will. Listen, there's a couple of examples. I remember the, the woman with the issue of blood. It says for 12 years, spent all of her money, been to every doctor, nothing helped. But she said what? If I can just touch the hem of his garments, I know that I'll be whole. And that's exactly what happened. She pushes through the crowd, maybe crawling on her hands and feet, and just swipes at, at really the, the remnants of his cloak as he's walking by. And Jesus stops over everyone and said, somebody touched me. And they finally found out because there were all kinds of people reaching out and touching Jesus as he was going by. Like, no, my healing power left because somebody came to me in faith, in big faith. And he turns around and he looks at the woman and he said, it is your faith that heals you today. Right? There was an immoral woman that knelt down to worship Jesus, poured this precious ointment over him. The, the disciples, the people at the banquet were indignant that Jesus would even receive her at the meal. But after she poured out her heart, poured out her love, poured out the little scraps, life had dealt her a bad hand. She probably made a lot of mistakes, but it was in this one moment, would Jesus receive me? I'm the scourge of the community. I'm not welcome anywhere, but would he welcome me? And she poured this precious ointment in the laughter and the indignation of everyone else around on the table. And Jesus shut every one of them up and he looked at her and said, today your faith in coming to me today, in spite of everybody else telling you you're worthless, you're nothing, how dare you. It was this face of pushing through the crowd that you are saved today. Your faith. The blind came to Jesus and he said, do you believe that I can do this? And they said, yes, we believe. We believe. You are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus again said, it is your faith that is unto you that your sight will be restored today. And those blinded eyes were open. So listen, there's two things. First of all, your faith really matters when it comes to prayer. 
Listen, I know that we're kind of grown up. In fact, most of you are probably grown ups, and still the best you can do is God is good, God is great, let him thank. Like our prayers have stayed pretty juvenile. But listen, God wants to explode your prayer life into the heavenlies to accomplish great and wonderful and powerful things. It's not the words that you say. There is no formula. There are no magic words. There's nothing that gets God to move by any phrases to get God to move any more than your faith in him that he can do anything. The faith that you're willing to endure, God, whatever it takes, as long as it takes, I'm here. I'm in it to win it. Push my faith. Test my faith. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that it will be the reviner's fire. This gold, all the impurities are going to be gone. And what's going to be left is something that's going to be powerful and, and, and audacious in the kingdom. You see, I want to just flip that just a minute because there are a lot of people that have distorted the message in the gospel by preaching what, I'll just get to it, a prosperity gospel. That's this faith-driven, Right? So it's faith, and then God owes me that, that man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe for the big cars, the big houses. Like, God, you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God, God's going to do everything for me. I, it's just faith, 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 faith that, that does nothing but center in on them. Unfortunately, we've got a lot of preachers on TV that, that distort that gospel message. They've been around for a long, long time. But I'm here to tell you this. We don't put our faith in faith. We put our faith in God. We're not faith-driven just so that, again, it centers on me. My faith, my big faith has nothing to do for me primarily. It, first of all, has to connect with God. And then as God's blessing then revolves around me, I'll take whatever he has. But first of, of God doing to meet my needs, that'll never happen. That's not the gospel. First of all, I've got to hit his heart and then see what he will do with that in my life. Last thing this morning. Sometimes we just have to face the fact that maybe God has something different in mind. Even though we really want it, even though all the points just seem to line up, sometimes there will be a moment that God has something different. The Bible says this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything again, does the Bible say according to my wisdom, according to my desires, according to what I want? No. It says I have the confidence to approach God to ask anything that's according to what? His, his will. That if he hears us, if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, and we know that he can do whatever we ask of him. I'll just finish with this. I'll ask the band to come and help me this morning. The Apostle Paul gives us a lot of story throughout the New Testament. I guess if there was one kind of mountain man in all of the Bible, certainly in the New Testament, it would be the Apostle Paul. Can we say that he had the right heart, that he had the right ministry, that he had the right calling? Absolutely. Like there, there is not much fault that any of us certainly could ever pin on Paul. He is the pinnacle of, of being a, an apostle and a follower of Christ. And yet, while he was doing great excerpts for the kingdom... The Bible says is that he had this thorn in the flesh. He just had this bothersome issue. And it says that he prayed to God, most of you know, how many times? 
At least three times, God what? Take it away. I beg you, take it away. Listen, I don't know wholly what it was, but we've all had something in our life where we've asked and we've begged God. Listen, I don't want to carry this anymore. I'm tired of this. Like, it's just, it's nagging. It's, it's overwhelming. God, can't you do something? And Paul went through all of that. Listen, if he could get it, listen, we're all in on it. And yet this is what he learned through the power of his faith. He said, and then God showed me that his grace would be sufficient. In those areas when God was working on something else that I didn't really realize in the moment that that he had something else. Would you say God would even use some of my pain or my hurt or some of this burden that I have to carry because he knows that through it something good or something greater ultimately is going to come out of it? Yes, that his grace is enough. My faith to hold on even when I don't get what I want, can I still cry out, I still believe. I still believe. Listen, I wish I could answer every single question, and that's the, the one trouble of this series is that I know that we can kind of manipulate a ton of little, maybe real or certainly hypothetical situations, right? Yeah, but what about that, 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 that? We're not here to do that, because there are gonna be moments I may not have the answer that you're looking for on that particular thing, but I want you to know, hopefully you've learned a lot of big principles today that, that envelope every area of our life, that if we put our hope and our trust in Him, we recognize that we may go through some difficult times in life, but this promise is, is that He never leaves us and that He never forsakes us. I can give us, listen, our humanity. We question, we wonder. Some of us, it's hard for us to get under the load at times that God would give to us to carry. We want to back off from that kind of as quickly as we can. But it's maybe in those moments that God wants to endure our faith even more because he wants to commit you and trust you. There's something bigger that's coming down the roads. And I'm glad to have a couple of fellow officers here today. And we've talked about this great opportunity that God has given to me. But I, I'll tell you, as God has been speaking to my heart, it's been such kind of a, a cool thing because there are a number of people, some of them that are here today, that God has given great favor and put them in some really strategic moments to do some really, really great things in our community. And I say this. I don't want to say, I don't even want to use the word like kind of humbly, but I'm, I'm certainly humbled that in all of these pieces that God allowed me, who doesn't have, quote, a whole lot to offer, not looking or bragging in anything that sense, but, but where my heart or passion is for them or for our community, that God has enabled a connection to happen with some really cool people to see that, listen, I don't know how much might be changing today or tomorrow, but... There's great faith in my heart for our community who God is using and God is placing to say, just watch in the days to come. Listen, the burden might be heavy or hard right now, and sometimes we scratch our heads and say, but is anything really changing? Is anything different 
reach what God can do. come out of this. And all I'm saying is let our faith be strong and watch what God can do when people are committed with the heart to say, God, I have these gifts and tools and I'm simply going to give them to you. I'm not looking for you to be a vending machine, God. I'm simply giving you what I have and I know that you're going to put some pieces in all of this together that somehow your great will is going to accomplish some really amazing things in our life, in our community, in our city, in wherever God calls me in this life. So I want you to don't give up this morning. If it's in your physical body, don't give up. If it's in your marriage or in your relationships, don't get up. Look around and make sure. Is my relationships where they need to be for God to bless that? And maybe I just have to admit to myself, listen, it's a heavy load right now, but God is whispering into my ear, but my grace is sufficient. You're going to make it, and you're going to see in some time when I unveil this thing what I have been working on. You might not see it now, but you're going to see this amazing thing that God is putting together that you've had a hand in. And the world is going to be blessed because you stayed faithful. You still believed that God could do anything today. Amen? Bow your heads with me. God, I thank you today that you help us today in these questions of life. Something that is very common to us today and yet kind of a practice that we don't fully understand. God, I pray that when we discuss this idea of prayer, that it's more than just kind of prayers over our meal or those things which are cool and are always really great to do. But but God, we're considering those, I mean, life-changing, world-changing prayers, God, that you can put in our life to make a difference in our home, in our family, in our relationship, in our job. God, and where you've called us to live and to be in this moment, God, I pray right now that you will enable, Lord, this family in real life to have faith to believe in you, to trust you with whatever we're experiencing right now. God, whatever part we need to do, we're going to be all about that. And then, God, in that part, Lord, where we have to recognize, I don't get it all right now, and so I'm going to just give that to you, believing today in great faith. You've got some big things coming, and so I'm just going to be faithful in who I am what you've called me to do. And God, I pray that you enable this church, our lives, Lord, this community, Lord, to to let the light shine of the goodness of God in our life one more time. So God, bring peace, I pray, to life. Answer some questions today to bring hope to know, God, today that your name is the power, the hope, the presence of God that we need to see you do something big in our lives. Lord, I pray that over us.